you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Third and goal. Carr looking, going to try to run it, and gets to the end zone for the touchdown. I tell you what, Greg, that was a spectacular play. I don't know how he saw the defenders and the way he was able to make them miss. That is the first rushing touchdown of this season for Derek Carr. The Dave Damashek Football Program, available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Derek Carr, a winner once again. Six right. for the sixth time in the 2019 season. Who could have seen that coming when Antonio Brown walked out the door and disparaged the Carr family? The entire clan. The entire clan, I think that we also, that scorched earth policy that he applied to two teams, not one, but two teams, Mm. um, I I think that everybody perceived it to be over for the Raiders. People are laughing, and yet there they sit now looking good for the playoffs. There was a lot of laughter. Where is it now? Well, let's laugh. Well, we could still laugh. Yeah. Well, I I don't mean we'd have to laugh at the Raiders. We still laugh about it. Well, we could laugh about that, but we could laugh about, but I don't want to, I don't want to laugh at people that have nots. Now that yeah, your true. younger brother is not, looking yeah. good, yeah, let's not mock true. them. Yeah, because we, they, yeah, exactly. Because we're just like them. Well, plus you also have to play at the Jets this weekend and we're <laughs> Derek to lose that one. They would laugh at us. Well, I would laugh. I know you. Then if you. If we lost. Showed too much bravura. I won't do that. Here Jets in Studio great. 66. Jets are a great team. Hey, hi and hello and welcome to the Dave Damashek football program presented as always by our good pals over at Zaxby's, home of the famous chicken fingers, wings, and salads. Sounds Give delicious. It to- oh, it is delicious. Yeah, it yeah, it's the only thing we need is to get one in California so we can. But Spaghetti and I are considering a road trip um, at some point soon. You're welcome to Where's join us. Where's the closest... Uh, Establishment. Utah. Then you Cedar Rapids. Seven hours. You'll do that. Easy for some. It's like halfway. Like we we could go to Bakersfield. And, yeah. and it's like, I think you're only like in Bakersfield, only like an hour from Utah, right? <laughs> sure. That I think it's something right. like that. Yeah, it's fine. That's what I know. Once That's what we, it'll feel like with our company. 
It'll oh, feel like an hour. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, hey, the car insurance company is huh? driving towards the playoffs. Fantastic. How Every about that? Guys. It's great. I mean, there was there was a little scare. There's a little hiccup. The Cincinnati Bengals weren't supposed to make it a game, but it's the NFL. And like I texted my brother yesterday, there's no Portland State's on the schedule. In the That's National exactly Football. right. And so. people get crazy about it. And if you only focus, if you in a vacuum, look at the Raiders there. I'm sure there are some vapid cynics out there right now. We have a full week 11 to dig in on here. So let's do our best to pour over all of it. But yes, um, as I am seated or seated to my immediate left, it is the older brother. I didn't introduce him. You watch him on total access on NFL network. And uh, he does have a key card to the Oakland Raiders facility where he can get in the year of John Gruden. That's right. Um, whenever the mood strikes him. It is David Carr. What's happening, fella? Hey, I'm just glad that he doesn't listen to every one of your podcasts because there probably would be a couple things that he'd questioned. I'd love to hear about that. Eddie Spaghetti. When have I when have I ever said boo about the the well, okay. Uh, I'm not always good. on board with the Raiders. That's, a, that's all I'm saying. Who's, I mean, who's does it? John's busy, so he's probably not paying, paying attention. So we're good. We're fine. I want to, but the, but yes, were you to look at the that result um, on Sunday, week eleven, there would be the vapid cynic out there who would say, "See, even in victory, the Raiders, that's not a real team because oh, they the barely Bengals. it took they, they barely beat the Bungles. Look around the rest of the NFL. Scoring yes, is do. is wildly depressed lately. In the last couple of weeks, um. Uh, even I, a dumb person, was able to do the math on this one. In uh, pending tonight's result, uh, we record midday on Monday here. We don't know what's going to happen in KC between KC and the LA Chargers down in Mexico City. I think we can guess, but I maybe even assuming too much that both of those teams will transcend twenty in uh, in the game tonight in the thin air down there. But still. Out of 13 games played, 12 teams hit 17 or fewer, and there were some results like that last week, too. Are we supposed to celebrate defense or or yes. are running quarterbacks well, now, depressing scoring, scoring because clock is spinning, uh -huh. and so guys aren't slinging it all over the place as much? What's, what's the uh, answer for this? Interesting theories there. I think that a lot of them, there's probably truth to a lot of them, and I think that encapsulates the numbers. So when you look at, when I talk to guys that are in the league now, coaches and, and players, there's a, there's a real emphasis on red zone defense, and they spend a majority of their time on Fridays and even a lot of their walkthrough on Saturday in red zone defense and making sure they have answers because that's where offenses try to scheme more. But then the field is also, when you get down there tight, it's twice as wide as it is deep. So secondary is able to get closer. You're able to do more things coverage-wise. There's a real emphasis on that because teams realize that it's an offensive-driven league and they're going to move the ball in between the 20s. So good coordinators are like, well, we just got to play good red zone defense, put in the kicker's put on the kicker's foot and then scoring will go down. And that, and that's, what's been happening. I think another thing is that's super micro. Why, it, why it has is. that been the thing that coaches or that defensive coaches are now focusing? I just think that the way that the rules have been shifted to where you can't hit quarterbacks, you, there's penalties for everything. The, the ball is going to be moved into the red zone at some point. So might as well hold them to field goals. And it's all, it's a weird thing too. Like, and I say this every week when I'm watching on the couch and whoever's there with me, a team will kick a field goal on fourth and one from the 10 yard line or whatever. And I say, they're going to lose because field goals in the first half, 
lose football games. That's just mm. because both teams are celebrating. It's a weird thing. You kick the field goal, you get the three points, you come off, the coach high fives you. Well, the other side's high fiving too. They're like, great, stop. And you're like, well, that's kind of a weird thing. So you would think that you wouldn't want that. So I don't know. I, I saw that actually. As a fan, days. yeah, definitely. You feel relieved once you see the ball in the red zone. It's a relief. Okay, we got off with just three right. against us now. But right. Then, and then even team-wise, you'll still get, even though as a fan, you're like, oh, we should have scored a touchdown there. The head coach is still high-fiving. Great drive, great drive. Like, really motivating his guys. So it's kind of a weird dynamic. But there's that. And I think also, you get halfway through the season, a, a lot of teams or a lot of offenses have shown what they do. And so defensive coordinators who stay up all hours of the night and some sleep at their house or some sleep at the facility instead of their house, figure out Is how Gruden to stop still you. doing that jive. Uh, he wakes up early. He doesn't he he's he'll tell you he doesn't wake up as early as he used. That's to. the most famous thing I think yeah. about him, besides the fact that he knew what the Raiders were going to do when right. he was Tampa's head coach in the Super Bowl. Is they like he gets there he, early. He I mean, sleeps he Derek, 11 minutes a season or something well, like that. I mean, that might not be true anymore. So but whatever. I, but. Uh, he gets up early. Him and Derek, they, they definitely race the facility and they'll even race more when they're in Vegas because they're literally right next to each other. Maybe they'll carpool. They might carpool. That'd be weird. I, I, I have many questions about the Oakland Raiders, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes. Has Derek, as far as you know, I mean, I would assume you know, has he gotten assurances from Gruden, Mayock, and whoever else? Like, yeah, you're definitely our guy in 2020. You're, no matter what. Like, yeah, at this point, the body of work, 10 games in, the way things started or got sideways in training camp and all the, the circus around AB and then Vontez and everything else, that's all rearview mirror stuff. It seems to me, and a guy, no, there's still a third of the season left to be played and things could go lousy. But again, looking at what is upcoming, the Raiders, I mean, it would have to be uh, uh, under I mean, underachievement if they merely go three and three from yeah. here on out. Oh, if they get sure. the nine and seven, that's a banner year no matter what. Especially considering the, the nonsense they went through at the beginning of the right. year in training camp. I, I don't know that they've had that exact conversation. And honestly, and I've said this since back in spring, John has always been in Derek's corner and Derek's always been a huge fan and they've been kind of tied at the hip since then. I think the people on the outside have just had the questions. I'm like, oh, is he going to be the quarterback? I don't know if they get along. They're literally neighbors. They they do everything together. They go out to dinner with each other, and they hang out with their wives, even away from the football field. And John will even say, we're not talking about football. And literally 10 minutes later, they're talking about football, and their wives are doing something else. But it's they, they've been together. They've been... They, they've already had discussions about what this thing looks like in three, four, five, six years down the road and what their, what, what their capabilities are with this offense, with the youth they have there. So... I mean, that's that I would say, yes, that he's going to be the quarterback for the Raiders for as long as he wants to play football. I don't think that they've said anything um, where that that would make me question that Derek hasn't brought it. It doesn't even register in his mind that he's not going to be a Raider for as long as he wants to be. And with John Gruden. Well, just because things change and you always hear about who John Gruden would fancy ideally if he had his pick of the litter. And like you mentioned on Twitter after the game at some point. The uh, the Raiders still have the Bears pick yeah. upcoming, and that's getting better and better as well. Exactly for 2020, so right. they're going to be able to load up even further. And the other thing that people keep saying, and I was uh, as cynical as anybody about this, that Mayock right out of the gate when he went Cleveland Farrell, I thought, why are you doing that, man? <laughs> that that doesn't seem. And, and whether it's Gruden Mayock class. or Gruden or it's uh, the brain trust combined, yeah. I thought, why why that? Why why curveball it like that? Did, yeah. They're well, more known entities, but even if you don't love that pick, 
Yeah. Josh Jacobs, what he's done. And I don't advocate for using a first round pick on a running back. I don't think I would either, but he's worked out pretty good. That one's hard to argue. And then Max Crosby certainly has at least made up for Cleveland Farrell. He's probably the superior player right now. Just pretend that Max Crosby got picked at fourth overall. Right. Exactly. Cleveland in the fourth round and everything's fine. That's exactly right. You just got to be a little creative. Well, here's the other part of it, too, is that. Jonathan Abram, uh, Jonathan Abrams looked like initially like the best one. Yeah. I know it's small uh, evidence, but if you watch those three quarters or whatever it was in week one, yeah. man, he had some weird knack where, again, very limited uh, opportunity to eyeball sure. him. But as opposed to other guys who, when they're trying to play tough at that position, it tends to be helmet to helmet and it's going to end up being a flag and you want to still impose your physical will and all that, uh, all that kind of rhetoric. He seemed to have a real knack for really punishing the guy who had the ball at the end without getting a flag for it. Yeah. Almost, almost. And he's still coming back in 20. He's coming back in 2012. And he's actually, um, He's actually, I think, smarter than, you know, a lot of those guys that play that strong safety enforcer type position, almost a hybrid linebacker, they really just stick their head in there and they kind of just, they don't understand scheme very well. But from the moment he showed up, I've seen 30 plus practices of him and I've seen clips that Derek will share with me just iPad wise. He'll just shoot him over to me and he's like, watch Josh right here. I mean, watch Jonathan. He's fantastic as far as like understanding what's happening around him. So for a rookie, I think he's going to be fantastic. We just unfortunately won't get to see him play all year, but I think he could still be one of the best ones. But that rookie class in general, since 1982, when they started recording sacks, there has not been a team that has 10 plus touchdowns or 10 plus sacks in the first 10 games than the Oakland Raiders. It's an Mike awesome, it's an awesome stat also, though, you also did have, or you, um, Mayock and Gruden had the luxury of having 397 picks in the... Well, there were, uh, and they might still... So that's going to add up. There's going to be 400 picks, you know, next year. So, I mean, it's, it's, they have a lot of options there, but they hit on them. And, and, and I will say, and I don't want, I, I guess we've already turned this into a Raiders podcast and I haven't even said uh, how excited everybody is. You know, the, the, the DDFP devotees have been asking for David Carr for some time now, and at long last we've made it happen. You're right. you're among our most popular. Well, you know what? I like to 66. I like to inform I like to inform people that enjoy football. I enjoy football. My family enjoys it. It's our family business, and if I can help people understand it a little bit better, good. I am fascinated by your red zone defense observation too, because it does understandably change when you have the back line as sort of a 12th defender yeah. there. Yeah. It's uh, it's not something that's widely known, but it, and it almost kind of tends to lean towards, Oh, we're going to play a little bend, but don't break, but that's not necessarily the case. You're going to play good defense in the middle of the field, but it's just, I, when you look at it, it's going to be hard to stop anybody. I mean, even teams that aren't really good are going to move the football, but if you can lock it down in the, in the red zone, you got a chance. Yeah, it's not like I think people watch it and go like, why are we able to move it up and down the field? But we can't complete that last 10 yards or those last few yards because safeties are a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. I mean, when you get down inside the 10, you have 11 really fast physical guys on the other side of the ball that are within 30 feet of you. You know, it's it's hard to throw the ball down there because if you're not an experienced guy and you don't have a great scheme and you don't get it out on time, you're going to struggle. You're going to really struggle down there. Well, ironically or, or counterintuitively or whatever. You saw that happen if you watch the Broncos and Vikings game. Yep. You saw that the Broncos couldn't finish it off when they... Young quarterback. Uh, right. But why, and as much as you and I have advocated for play action rollouts and all that sort of thing over and over, those little, that, that boot stuff that always works, yep. maybe this then goes against that. But 
I and I can't stand in short yardage in the middle of the field that teams sh- line up on third and short or fourth and and short and they line up in the gun with an empty backfield. Uh, and what am it's I missing worst. with that? You're not missing anything. It's the worst thing ever. Well, why? Why? I mean, but the offensive the coordinators know better than Dumb Dave does. Why are they doing it? Then you would think that, and then because they, what happens is you go up on a whiteboard in your comfy little office that in your you know billion dollar facility, and you get to draw up all these plays. And none of the X's and O's are moving, and it looks great. It looks just. It, you, Oh, he's in shock, and we're going to run the receiver in motion. We're going to fake it to him, and then we're going to fake it to the back, and then they'll all be confused. And what ends up happening is guys get on the field and they just play physical, and more physical than you, and then you just get caught looking like a looking like a clown. When in reality, what you should do is take a page out of John Gruden's book. Fourth and one yesterday, they hand it to the fullback, and he plows forward for three yards. They get a first down, and go on. Score I don't like that one either. Well, I don't like giving it to the fullback. But it's better than he's the not. Sh- it's not his job to do that. When oh, they do that, all of a sudden, and no, I, I know it's fun when he his. gets it, but. Everyone's spirits are. I get it that it's cute. It. Yeah, that, it, but it also you look at the sideline when a fullback gets. It's the ball. well, it's like when Dopey Dave, not Dumb Dave, but when loser. I say I have a lot of different uh, uh, good adjectives <laughs> that can precede my name. Um, but yeah, when twelfth man on the basketball team Dave went into the game, it was also cute. If Dave scored a basket, people would laugh at me. It wasn't how, you, you were a hustler though. I bet you played good uh, defense. It was it was. No, inter- no. Did you not boost the morale of your team when you were on the court? No, I was an assassin. Yeah. Don't leave him uncovered. Exactly. That was a, but, and um, knew it. So, yes, I think that's crazy. But doesn't it make sense inside the 10 to spread it out? Because it all you have to do. That's why they're doing it. You don't have to throw. Yeah, you don't have that's to right. um, yeah. get. It, it's a split second. Yeah, the problem. That I don't, you have to, I, if you have to cover four or five guys, yeah. all you need is a whisker of space to squeeze the ball in. I, I've always been a, a proponent of spreading it out to run the football. I mean, that's it just makes more sense. There's more room, less bodies. and Because as soon as you add a tackle, now you're adding a defender, and then you bring in another guy, and then they bring another defender. So and they can get closer and closer to the line. That's you Miles can, Davis. Do you know? You're too young to remember Miles yeah, Davis. Yeah. He invented the spread, and that's where Barry Sanders yeah, made sense. all his hay. Yeah. He, was a, he was a single back, and they would spread it out. He had a ton of running yeah i love it i mean i i like that but so there's but don't be so cute to with the receiver motion because when you get in those situations guys are going to just fire at a gap they're not reading anything that kind of stuff with the smoke and mirrors is great for first and second down but you can't necessarily rely on that because that's when guys are more hesitant kind of reading it out but when you get in those situations they have a guy it's a lot a lot of times it's man-to-man coverage so guys are just directly going so the smoke and mirrors thing doesn't really doesn't really work you got it you can spread it out but then just be physical with the football um who's the uh, most famous per you said when you had people over to the house to watch football who's the most famous person you've had over uh, probably darren carr is that right? I think so. The great Darren Carr. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'll have. I'm a fan of his work on uh, on social he's media. Great. He 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 really is doing a good job, and I don't, it's not Photoshop. It's beyond Photoshop now because he's got he's got the gifts and the. And yeah, the last time you everything. you shadowed our door here, you told a a fascinating yarn about uh, a fight with Derek and Darren and you, yes. and then he created a whole. A little, which was uh, great. That's right. He, I mean, video. that was probably some of his best work. Went semi-viral. Yeah, I mean, it was great because there was. I mean, the editing was beautiful. I mean, I want to. My dream is to get all three car boys into a car. That would be great. A drive to the playoffs, and we talk all about it. I don't see any reason. We bring why that, Derek's that new friends, like Josh Jacobs yeah. and Squeeze Max, Max Crosby and everybody in the back. Yeah, let's work on that. All right, let's do that. Um, let's talk about some uh, some football things. But one last thing on the Raiders is. Based on the way their last six games shape up, I said this. I don't know if I said it to you directly, but I know I said it to Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass. 
that um, the way it sets up is, and again, pending tonight's result, the Raiders now can win the AFC West and they don't even have to win the game in Arrowhead, although the NFL sees the significance of that game yes, and, they and they believe in the Raiders uh, um, at, at least uh, so much that they have now knocked the Brown Steelers rematch to an early Which I didn't game. know if I needed to apologize to you for that when I saw that earlier. No, did you hear about Thursday night's game, though? I The last few up. seconds yeah, of it? I was, I was watching SNL, and there was a skit. Did you ever get mad? At, well, let's talk about that. I know it's it's <laughs> been covered ad nauseum, but I, what do you... Yeah, well, go ahead. I didn't see the skit. I just saw the picture of him holding the steel. Not the, I don't care about what SNL did. Good, I'm, I'm talking about the actual event. I saw it. What? Here's here's so you're gonna you're you're going to defend the Steelers at all costs. I'm not just fine. That is not true. I mean, Why is that the thing I always I'm spaghetti, a spaghetti. I'm you a think it's fair? I don't get why you take the stance on this. First of all, it's a bad look that you were pro Mason Rudolph bef- pre-game, before the game, like like on that. It's a you're, bad look. Well, I got a lot of tweets about how like, about how the things I say. I like when people instruct me to be better, and this is a bad take no, and a bad look. No, like, I'm interested. What? I think it's like it's, so it's bad a good domino it. effect that you were, or a snowball effect rather. You were pro. You were very not very high, but you were saying that Mason Rudolph was not clearly not the worst quarterback in the league. Goes in a prime time game, has a really bad game, and then it ends with the, with the the helmet fight. Okay, so you're. My, no, my measure for Mason Rudolph, just to make clear, is that he has the chance to win to get the Steelers to nine games. Sure. I think that as constituted before all the injuries, that could, I guess, yeah. conceivably still happen. If they don't get if they can't get to 10, I don't think they're going to get to the playoffs the way things are shaped. They're not up a right bad now. football team. And he's, well, not, no. he's not he's not a bad quarterback. Well, I want to hear your thoughts on that. The, the also you have to put an asterisk next to it. Because as opposed to Mitchell Trubisky, as a for instance, who was what the second overall, they traded up for it. Yeah, this yeah. guy's the third round pick. Yeah. The idea that like, well, he's oh, I don't I don't think he's as good as Baker Mayfield is. Like, yeah, right. I guess that's why one guy was the first overall pick and the other guy good point. is a third round pick. Too. Mason's fine. It's not Mason's bro. It's not Mason. Well, he stunk. Yeah, in I mean, the he second didn't play half. great. He didn't play great. But the the thing that's interesting but what about was that it, is this, is this stuff always builds up. It never, it never just happens like that whole incident. You can look at how crazy it was, but it didn't just happen. Here's, here's what happened. My miles Garrett's playing his game. They're doing, they're doing well and dominating the whole night. Exactly. Mason is struggling. And if you notice on, I think his last interception, um, he horse collar tackled and it wasn't called. And there were a couple comments made by some, uh, Brown's team, uh, Brown's players, after that and and Mason was visibly frustrated and so what happens is when you're having a bad game and I'll tell you this as a quarterback when you throw an interception or there's a fumble made you're going to make a tackle and I know this is probably not the popular thing to say but I don't care what happens to the ball carrier after that I'm going to horse collar tackle oh 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 Mason Rudolph horse collared a guy after the pick yes I did see that okay so I didn't hear any Browns reference yeah from a from a quarterback's perspective is I don't care what happens to the ball carrier I'm not at that moment, I'm out there, and I'm a quarterback. I'm not supposed to tackle this guy, but I'm going to physically injure the guy if I can in a nice way. I'm going to make sure he make, I make the <laughs> tackle. So that's what happens. So Mason does that, so he's got frustration. Then, Did you ever have a bad game, though? Uh, I mean, come on. Google it. You can probably find a couple. Okay. I but didn't now, know. Yeah, it's fine. But it happens. That stuff happens. So there are fumbles happen. 
So you want, so we fast forward to like the last 10 seconds of the game. And so he throws the, the little swing pass out. Miles Garrett, okay, maybe he didn't see that the ball was thrown. They're going to finish the tackle. And Mason had already had the frustration of why am I throwing this ball with 10 seconds left in the game? And now I'm getting tackled and he won't stop tackling me. Now he's taking me to the ground. Your only recourse at that moment, because literally Superman is on top of you. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is a Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do? Your only option at that point being Mason is to pull on something. Like, okay, so what do I have to pull on? I can try to pull his helmet off. I've been in that same situation. A guy hit me in Fresno. He tried to punch me in the nuts. I grabbed the back of his helmet. And I start to try to pull his helmet off. Thank God my offensive line showed up and I backed up because when the offensive line shows up, your job is over. Mason Rudolph, that's where he made his critical error. He's pulling the helmet off. Miles Garrett says, let me show you how to pull a helmet off. He then rips his helmet off pulling him up off the ground. And at that moment, the offensive line showed up. Mason, that's it, dude. Just back up. Then he made the critical error. And I'm not blaming Mason. I'm just telling you what happens. He rushed a defensive lineman. The man had just pulled your helmet off of your head. He still has it in his hand. He's in a fit of rage. And two Steelers offensive linemen are holding him back. He swung it. That's just that's just what's going to happen in that situation. I know, except for the fact that it's pretty close to unprecedented what Miles Garrett oh, did. Whereas, is it the well, only seen, thing I is seen, I, I have seen it happen in practice. Okay, but have you ever seen? I've never seen contact. Is made. was I? I, I don't want to belabor it because the it's the exponential escalation by Miles Garrett it that was, if he strikes. The it's, guy in the head what happened. with that hard shell, I completely it could have been a devastating thing, not just for Mason Rudolph, but if he cracks, a, but you know, if, if, if two is laying on the ground, bleeding and unconscious, what the look for the, the league, yeah. the look for Miles Garrett could have been so much more severe. And the thing that I keep saying about it is, is that I don't know if you remember the malice in the palace with yeah. Ron Artest, Absolutely. later meta uh, world, world peace. Yeah. But also the guy Jermaine O'Neal, the backup center at that point for the uh, for the Pacers. Maybe he was uh, still in the rotation. Either way, that's not uh, Jermaine to the point. Jermaine, see, I see what you did there. Um, he goes to punch just a random schnook who's yeah. made his way down onto the court, and as he tries to throw a haymaker, he slips on some sweat or something, and and he doesn't fully connect. But if he had, it would have been so much worse. Forget about meta world peace. The story would have been yeah. Jermaine O'Neal just cold cocked and broke the jaw Absolutely. of some random schnook who went down on the court. This would have been on that level. Miles Garrett should be so thankful oh that he goodness. happened to not hit him with the worst part because that would have been devastating. But I'm open to it. I just I, I don't understand exactly like, yeah, guys get in the scrums and everything. Was it that out of bounds? Anything Mason Rudolph did? And then we can move. No, on. I mean, no, the, the Mason Rudolph thing there. I don't think that he, I, I think he did everything that a, a quarterback would do in that situation. Honestly, like a, a frustrated quarterback, I could easily see myself doing the pulling the same move like, OK, I'm just trying to hang on to this guy's basically hang on to his head. I don't even know if he was trying to pull it off as much as he was trying to hold them down so he couldn't do what he maybe wanted to do to me because the guy's 100 pounds heavier than me. So. I don't think that he was out of bounds. What if somebody? The only what, mistake he made was running at him. Other side, well, say. the other mistake, and not having your helmet on. You got the have Browns it. are now saying it sounds like semi formally in this uh, in the uh, appeal is that yes, the mitigating factor was that uh, Mason Rudolph number two kicked somebody else. That's totally irrelevant. There was no kick. Well, well, let's say he did. Then what? Who cares. So what? He's trying to get a huge man off of him. I mean, that's but I'm saying kicked him in the groin. Oh my goodness! Say, in the yeah. nether regions. That's that's so. I, I guarantee Miles Garrett, if he didn't see the video, he wouldn't even know that that was attempted. 
even if he made contact, he was trying to basically kick him off. Like he wasn't trying to kick him in the growing. He was probably using his foot. I, the I think that's true, but the intent is besides the point. If you've ever felt that pain, I don't blame Rudolph for anything that he did on the bottom of that pile. I like that Eddie Spaghetti Honestly. of all people is the one stepping up here to give me the business about Mason. Ru- Why Mason Rudolph was out of bounds? I'm not trying to give you the business. I'm just saying that I saw your takes pregame, and then at once it happened, you were kind of like. It just seems like I don't know. I, I Pre-game, think, what, what, what am uh, I supposed point to is, say about the guy? I don't like, consider him a virtue. I know you don't want to be labeled a homer, but being firmly only in Mason Rudolph's like camp and stuff, it just I would have as a, like, a Giants fan. It was an incident with the Giants. I would have just kept quiet, or I would have just been. I would have been away from Twitter, <laughs> or I would have been. <laughs> it's so just don't say anything. At all. I yeah. feel like I'm being objective about it. The quarterback got mad. The other guy is swinging a helmet. No, like, I just, what's the, what's yeah. the debate about? It? Right now you are, but I, I just saw on Twitter people who don't know the full story and they don't listen then on Twitter they're going to see your comment I'm just I'm I love Tory Smith but Tory Smith saying hey everybody else has apologized why hasn't Mason Rudolph That's I think silly. like what, what are we what are we doing as a society with these phony um post event apologies that no one believes including the person issuing it you know two things can it's be true at the same time Mason Rudolph could have chosen not to rush him and that would have that that could have been better and then he also doesn't need to apologize Two things can be true at the same time. Um, All right, let's talk about some other stuff. Okay, I think the Raiders, like I say, have a decent shot at this point. The wild card chase on the AFC side is shaping up. It's I keep saying there's a very healthy middle class, but it feels like now, I mean, it seems fairly clear cut. It's a two horse race. And as I will also keep pointing out, 17 of the last 20 teams that get to the Super Bowl have a bye. So that's everything. We can yeah. debate this all you want. But the, if there's a team out there, I know this is a little weird because they're a, a flawed team. The Colts are the team that seems positioned to break through that. I know most people would say scary. it's I think people are fan. looking at Mahomes and all that. Yeah. And, well, look at how he can fire you past these teams. That's not what's going to get it done to me. It's, it's Colts are a good team. being able to run. Yep. And that defense is is like for real. I yeah. think they could beat the Ravens and the Patriots. And, and, and I don't know good. anybody else on the on in the AFC that could do that. No, and they're good inside out that on defense. You know, with, with Leonard and with with the speed that they have there, they can cover down. And the Patriots, the way that they play, if you remember, they play inside out. They use their backs first and try to get them mismatched. And there is no mismatch on the on the other side with the Colts. So, I think that they have a, a really good chance and. I, they just keep winning games, and they find ways to win. I love Frank Reich. I think Jacoby Brissett's doing as good a job as any quarterback in the league. Of he's not putting up huge numbers, but he just he gets it. He gets he's it. in Those the you know what? Him. He's in the same camp, and you're a pedigree snob. You like guys who? Oh, I don't. No, yes, you do. You like guys that have superhuman gifts. Oh, I absolutely do like that, but I also those respect. are the guys you tend to side yeah, with, and that's why I don't even mention Jacoby Brissett all year until you brought him up. But he's he's playing good football. Well, you know what's uh, interesting? He about actually has that? a stronger arm than people think. I think that's the other thing. He might even be stronger than Andrew Lux. That kid can rip it. Really? Yes. And it's unbeknownst to anyone. Well, the thing the the thing that's interesting about that that you're praising Jacoby Brissett is that he falls into the same camp as far as I'm concerned as one Derek Carr at this point, yes. which is his numbers aren't as they're playing very similar. Yeah, they're not as prolific as what Lamar Jackson's doing is. Right. That's kind of um, I think is it fair to say it's unparalleled what Lamar Jackson's doing? Did Mike Vick at his very best ever put up those My son. rushing numbers in combination with I, I actually. The guy who the people continue to ignore is Cam Newton. He's the true unicorn. Yeah, but he, yeah, he set that up. But my son actually, he asked me, he's like, what about 
has anyone ever run like Lamar Jackson? I'm like, Michael Vick did. He's like, no. I'm like, pull it up. I'm sorry, we pulled up YouTube. We started looking at Michael Vick. And I'm trying to find a play where he does the spin move and comes out of it like Lamar does. And we can't find it. Like, Vick was straight line fast. And a lot of times he'd get out on the bootleg like they were running with Kyle Shanahan's type offense. They would do that when he was Atlanta, and he would just hit the corner and be gone. But he never really had the lateral. The lateral speed was crazy. When we started looking at comparison between Vic and Lamar, and people might argue with me, but Lamar looks a lot more explosive side to side. But anyway, that's, it's that's- um, yeah, I, I made the point again. It's something that um, that comes up periodically when you watch a guy like Lamar Jackson because he's so willowy. You know, yeah. he's a, um, what is it? About, I think we've had this discussion, but so what? We'll have it yeah, again now. Yeah. This is the MVP front runner right now, yeah. Lamar Jackson, after all, and a team that's right on the heels of the New England Patriots. Should they slip up a little bit? Um, is there any, um, do you have any thoughts on why some guys like Mike Vick and RG3, for their, all their gifts, lack the spatial sense of like, I got to get down a split second sooner so I don't get hit, Very versus yeah. Cap and yeah. Russell Wilson, and now Lamar Jackson you know, basically a full year through being a starting quarterback, they don't seem to get lit up ever. They don't. And why? Is- why, why? Why do some guys, you know, Michael Vick, it doesn't lack for athletic right. ability. And yet think, he, right? he didn't have that in his head. I think it, I think it strictly comes down to the, the lateral quickness. And, and we even heard when you're listening, if you listen to the broadcast, they asked Greg Roman about that. And they said, well, are you concerned about him getting hit as much as you use him in the run game? And Greg Roman, the, the offensive coordinator said, he gets hit when he wants to get hit and how he wants to get hit. And that's what, honestly, when quarterbacks run, we, we always talked about it in quarterback meeting rooms, but if you are going to take the chance and not slide, you just have to give the man half a body. Now, we were just talking about the defenses, they're going to tackle you. These, these guys are paid to tackle. They do that. You aren't paid to be in the open field running. So just make sure they don't hit you dead in the chest, right? Just give them a little bit of a move. And even if you have to go down, go down sideways so they just wrap up a leg. And there's a way to do that. But Lamar's taking it kind of to another level. He's only giving them half a man to maybe come close to hitting. And so he never takes a full shot. And you don't see him slide a lot, if ever. And he's always able to just avoid the big hit. And he goes down going forward most of the time. And it's just lateral quickness. He just has a, a, a freak ability to be able to move laterally like that to where guys never get a clean shot. We saw, we saw him sprint out to the right. They've, and people are playing great defense against him, too. That's what's crazy. He sprints out to the right against the Patriots. It's not there. He comes back over. Van Noy is standing there. Literally, I have, you, I have you wrapped up. You're not going anywhere. He makes two moves, runs right by Van Noy like he's standing still, like a child's flag football game. Didn't even touch him. One of the greatest. And then he did this again against the Texans. Same type of play. It was a bootleg. Or it's actually an RPO. Then he comes off of it. There's a defender there. Right there. Three yards in the backfield. We're going to show it today on our, on our show. Dead to rights. Doesn't even touch him. Doesn't even touch him. And you're like, as a defensive coordinator, like, what do you... What do you do at that point? That's your best tackler. I know it's all, everybody's scratching their heads. Wow, what are we supposed to do about this? But is there anything you've seen? Yes, yes. That is, that makes it imminently stoppable with a second look? Because a year ago, that was the thing. Yeah. That, I, and I've had it both ways with Lamar Jackson. I thought the Bengals should have taken him in 2018 yeah. when he was sitting there, whatever pick they had. In hindsight, we talked to Maurice Jones-Drew about it last week. Surely the Jags, if they had a do-over, would do it. Now there are people in Pittsburgh saying, man, they should have taken him um, when he was sitting there. A lot of people wringing their hands right now. The The pushback on that is, and I, and I was all about Lamar Jackson. I yeah. said, he's going he's gonna to make it in the league. He's going to be a dangerous weapon. But I also said, by 2020, 
this will defensive coordinators will catch up. And just as we see, we've had this conversation now that's sprawled out over at least the last two years that how are these offenses a year ago, basically maybe almost to well to the week, the chiefs and the Rams game redefined football allegedly. And now everything's regressed. And now it's more about defense and um, running the ball and everything else. And there's not any evidence that's why aren't defensive coordinators going to catch up with this? I guess the question is, is it, in the off season or is it coming down the stretch in December and January? So a couple of things, I think, it, I think it is in the off season. I think at this point, NFL teams don't have enough time to prepare for what the Ravens do in a given week. If you give it, if you win a game and you get, let's say worst case scenario, you get victory Monday and you show up on Wednesday and you're asked to figure out how to stop multiple looks by the Ravens on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you, you just don't have enough time. When you, when you work against this in college, we played against Air Force when I was in college at Fresno. We spent an entire two weeks where we would just go against Air Force and triple option. We'd bring guys in, set up an offense, and we would just rep that. And that was like in May. And then we would come in, and we would do it in August, and then we would do it the week of prep, and then you have a chance to stop them. And we're talking about Air Force, like a whole bunch of little dudes running around that have nowhere near the ability that Lamar Jackson has. So there's that, and then there's also the fact that the quarterback running is the single single greatest factor to just making everything equal. And we've talked about this before. You sit in there in quarterback meeting rooms. Me and Eli sit in there breaking down film. How do we get that? Eli who? Uh, I can't remember his last name. Okay. Um, so Sorry we're sitting there. No, it's fine. We're sitting there. How do we get this extra guy out of the box? Okay, so you got to do it with audibles. You got to do it with checks. All right, if there's an extra guy down in the box, we got to throw it. All right, if there's an extra guy deep, we got to run it. Okay, now when the quarterback runs the ball, because before, if we hand the ball off, now we have the best seat in the house. We watch all these running backs run, and we're just standing back there kind of carrying out our fake and just watching everything happen. And the defense always has the one-man advantage because as soon as I hand it off, I'm out of the play. It's 11 on 10. You guys have the – but if I am now a part of the run game and John Elway and those guys, Gary Kubiak, all Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, all started doing this with under center, play-action pass, and then we would kind of stand on the sideline as backup quarterbacks and coaches and say, okay, that end kind of crashed that time. All right, now, now, now keep it. So the next play was same action, bootleg. Here we go out, we're on the perimeter. And it's great. And that stuff still works. And, and Kyle Shanahan still uses a ton of that stuff. But now they've taken it another step further where the quarterback's now in shotgun. And now that same action happens. And I'm now watching the defensive end. And I'm a dynamic player like Lamar Jackson. He crashes. I don't have to wait two plays for the coach to call a bootleg. I'm just out. Now I'm out on the, on the perimeter. And now on top of that, sometimes we'll block that defensive end. And now we're going to read the linebacker. And now instead of it being a run, I'm going to fake it. And now I'm going to throw it. Right now, and then Greg Roman's crazy enough, and I sat in meeting rooms with him when he was in Houston. He went from being a strength coach to then a, a, an offensive assistant. He was my quarterback coach, and he had all these stupid, crazy ideas. All right, Dave, we're going to, on third down, we're going to motion the receiver in, and you're going to actually run the crack sweep. And I'm like, what? So we get in Jacksonville. It's fourth and 12. We're down. And he, they call that play, and I'm like, there's no way. I'm going to get lit up. And so here comes the motion. Boom. The back goes to the right. He cracks the defensive end. I'm out on the edge, and I'm like, there's no one in front of me. And I'm not Lamar Jackson. And I get 13 or 14 yards and pick up the first down. I go over the sideline and high-five Greg. He's literally right on the sideline. And he was so fired up. And so ever since then, I knew he had that ability in him to want to create that stuff because he was all about the math of it because he sat in those same meeting rooms and said – there's just no way to ever account for that extra body unless you're going to be Peyton Manning and audible into a pass when he's down and audible into a run when he's back. Why don't we just say, let's create an offense where we don't have to do that, and we just call it, and now it's an even playing field, and that's what they're doing. So if Lamar cannot get hit, stay healthy, that more than the Rams-Chiefs game is going to revolutionize football. 
you just got to find guys like that. And unfortunately, they're not they're not everywhere. So it can be replicated because like Rage Against yes, the Machine absolutely. makes a big splash. Oklahoma does But it. then Corn comes in and Disturbed <laughs> comes along. From Bakersfield, and- California, Brian Welch actually just moved in across the street from me. All right. So well, Google that head. Congratulations, I, you, I guess. But and no offense to him as a man, but uh, as anyway, go ahead. you're going to it's gonna, a more tepid version yeah, of yeah, Rage yeah, Against yeah, the Machine, but well, you shouldn't hate Rage Against the Machine because right. you don't like corn. Yeah, exactly. Is this setting up to be that there that now in the copycat league that the offseason will be devoted to like, where's our Lamar Jackson? Yeah. And let's try to do that. Maybe, I don't know, Jalen Hurts or something like that. Maybe well, we can maybe we could try that here, but it will be. It, it will be um, the results won't be as good as the well, OG will be. Yeah, I agree. It won't be as good, but you're going to be able to still do it. You're not going to be as dynamic as Lamar when everyone's covered up and they have a guy there. And to answer your question, how do you defend it? It's you have to attack it. You have to man up and you have to account for everyone, including the quarterback, and you have to aggressively attack the quarterback on every play. Well, first of all, I remember talking to Terrell Suggs about this, talking to some Pittsburgh Steelers about this and, you know, those old school, let's beat teams up kind of mentality that going against the against, ironically, that now the Ravens are playing this kind of ball. But Colin Kaepernick, who you may have heard, has been in the news of late. Ironically enough, he gets a workout now that all this stuff is. Well, talk about. Yeah. Talk about the OG with Greg Roman, not coincidentally there and Jim Harbaugh. And the whole thing kind of goes away after they lose to the Ravens. Ravens, but you wonder if they would have stuck with that and Jim Harbaugh, if you create an alternate universe and they stay there, I wonder what kind of hay the Niners would have made. And by the way, Colin Kaepernick completes one extra pass in the Super Bowl. Does that then start the clock on all of this, whatever this would, whatever that would have been six, seven years ago now, but as it stands, I remember talking to Suggs and I remember talking to some Steelers and they said, you know how you stop that? You have to punish the running back yeah. early in the game and you do it often and it breaks his will. Yeah. Is it that simple? Because I will say the evidence is the Chargers saw the Ravens in Carson, California in December. They surprised him. But even by the second half of that game, the Chargers were kind of had caught up to it. Yeah. In the playoffs, in the rematch in Baltimore, the Chargers whipped them. Is it then safe to do the transitive property here that if you let the Patriots, let's say, get another look at Lamar Jackson and what they're doing, that they will shut that down? Yeah, I think they'll they'll be better. I also think that Greg is progressing, as so is Lamar, and even as a passer. Like, when you do that, you you are susceptible now to one-on-ones on the outside. Like, if you play it the way that you're supposed to, the way the Chargers do, the way that teams intend to play, but then they often find themselves in the kind of hesitation mode, then I mean, you're going to get burned. But if you are aggressive at it, then Lamar just has to be a better passer. The only real hiccups that he's had, or I think it was against the Browns, where he didn't throw the ball very well against the Chiefs earlier in the year. And he just didn't throw the ball well because everything else was 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 not really going. And if he could have hit some of the passes that he just missed, they would have been fine. So, I mean, I don't know that there's, there's definitely a, a way to defend it. And Suggs was right. And they obviously defended Colin. But to answer the Colin Kaepernick question, I think that they just kind of got away from doing that. You know, they, so he got hit a couple times. They paid him a lot of money and they were like, I kind of want to have him. And I've had this, I've had this debate with everybody. Would sure. You, would, this makes perfect sense. Would you rather have a guy like that for seven years or 12 and just you get nothing out of him. I, mean, I think you have to modify much as NFL teams more and more. And this is something I did a, an essay on Good Morning Football about last weekend is that 
in the under the salary cap, there's now enough money to pay your QB if he's worth it thirty million dollars. That the debate about whether or not a guy is worth that. What you should not do under almost any circumstance is pay a running back. You, oh, absolutely. I, I know it's unfair. Yeah. And it's mean spirited to say about guys who it's just have, what it is though. That's just what it is. Why would you ever pay a guy that kind of that kind of jack? But yes, you just as those running backs need to modify like Frank Gore is the anomaly and I guess Adrian Peterson is sort of the exception that proves the rule too but I mean based on Le'Veon Bell David Johnson Todd Gurley who did look good on Sunday night uh, once again and I was happy to see that for Todd Gurley and Devontae Freeman and everybody else you should never pay your running back but also you should modify expectation 15 year career is not the goal it's if you're Lamar Jackson by the way, Cam Newton at age 30 at best is going to, it would seem, have to pull a mid-career Michael Jordan slash Kobe Bryant kind of complete restructuring of his game. Himself. Yeah, he, can't, he cannot play the kind of ball no. he's playing, but Lamar Jackson's a young up. guy and should be able to get away with doing that for the next handful of years at least. But we shouldn't be upset that he plays eight years if Lamar plays like this. And, he, and after eight or nine years, he says, you know what? I just can't physically do it anymore. I'm like, we got a great decade of really cool football and watching a guy that's probably as good as there's ever been do it. So we just we just can't panic. And that's what happened with Colin Kaepernick. They just got away from it. They said, you know what? He's mm. not doing that anymore. He's not. And I talked to Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman about this. They they literally were told not to get him hit like that as much. So they had to kind of tailor their offense in it. And they suffered. Um, one last thing on them, and then we'll go lightning round here. Okay. But in fact, let's start the lightning round right okay. now. Is there anybody that you see that can take down the Ravens or the Ra- Because again scoring is depressed and the Patriots Eagles game was kind of like a a stinker in terms of entertainment value yeah they might both be in the playoffs and I know that all of a sudden it's shaping up like the Eagles are in some real jeopardy they're maybe gonna have to beat the Cowboys in Dallas to win the division and sneak in as a third or fourth seed because the way it's tracking if you see the separation there that the Vikings last couple of weeks have been super significant yeah. Them beating the Cowboys and then rallying there. That probably is going to defy what I have been saying all season long is the Vikings are not going to end up in the postseason. They're going to end up missing out, but now it's kind of hard to make a case against them. They might still win the division, but anyhow, um, is there, do you see at least on the AFC side? I mean, or, or because it, it yeah, amidst I mean, all these close games, they're just trucking everybody. They're trucking everybody. And now the, and now the hard part is they have – so even when they were playing not great defense at the beginning of the year and and they were still trying to figure out what they were doing offensively and they're getting better every week, now they have Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith is also back. Jimmy Smith was hurt for a little while. Jimmy Smith is the weirdest defensive Jenga piece in the NFL. The I'm Jenga theory, <laughs> as people, anybody who listens to this show knows – is that you're going to lose players. If you pull the wrong piece out, the whole thing will implode. I don't know what it is that it is completely pedestrian if Jimmy Smith isn't in there. But when he is in, that defense gets to be like a top half dozen defense in the league. It's really kind of crazy. And weird. They were trying to figure that in our meeting today, and I'm like, it's it's Jimmy Smith. It's not Marcus Peters. Marcus is nice to have. That was a good addition, but Jimmy Smith is the linchpin to what they do for some reason. Just look at the numbers and what their defense does when he's in the game. That's all you have to do because then they can play a totally different style of defense and be really aggressive like they were to Houston. I don't know. I mean, if a team like Houston we thought could keep up with them scoring-wise, but they they showed that that defense now 
is going to be. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't see anyone that can beat him. Maybe you're going to have to kind of start playing him like the Chiefs, where you got to find a team that can run the football effectively and not even mess around with Jimmy and Marcus and just go right at him and then kind of shorten the game. And hopefully, Lamar has a bad first quarter, which he's kind of struggled early in games because teams are kind of defending them differently. So it takes you a little while to figure out what they're doing. And then Greg processes that information, gives it to Lamar, and he plays better. He throws the ball better with more confidence, kind of in the second, third, and fourth quarter. But if you can do that, you got a chance and then score quickly. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's the old cliche. They're not really built to play from behind. I don't know if I believe that. They're, they're built to play from anywhere. Well, they are now with that defense. Yeah. The thing yeah. that I kept saying is going to be the undoing of that offense is the defense because yeah. you cannot. For sure. If it the defense like is is giving up easy touchdowns, then you must get away from that defense. Yeah. Uh, get away from that offense. Right. But if the defense plays at this level, then they I don't really see it. a one-score game at all times, you're, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah, I don't see any flaws with that. Next, um, by the way, I do feel like, much to my eye, I feel like defensive backs are trying to jump Lamar Jackson, some of his throws, and trying to pick six him well, or something. Well, a lot of and stuff I, is quick. A lot of stuff is quick and RPO-ish, and, and he's not to the elite level of being able to really kind of hold where he's looking with the ball. Like, that stuff will come. He doesn't really have to do it a lot of times because it's man-to-man coverage, and there it's pretty clear where he's That's the ball. flaw with the RPO is, yeah. like, we all, like we've talked about since, literally since the Colin Kaepernick um, Niners, is that you always have an extra guy, and that's yeah. why it's impossible to, to stop unless you are creating some attrition by banging the QB yeah. and breaking his will to do that. Right. Um, but the the thing it seems to me, and you watch Jimmy Garoppolo's game winning touchdown pass and the and the rally he pulled off um, against the Cards. I'll, the thing that jumps out to my eye always is when you put the ball down and you're riding the back and deciding and you're and you're uh -huh. giving a good hard fake. When you pick your head up, you have no idea what's in front you of you, but know. you got to get rid of the ball. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. And a lot of times they're just you're, they're do they get it on the laces? Is that what they're doing when they yeah. when they have it in the running back's belly like that? Well, they're also trying to get it ready look, to throw they're, it. They're definitely grabbing laces there because it seems like that would be super hard to do. To like you're doing too. Like okay, I'm pretending I'm going to do and I might give it to you, but no, now I'm going to pull it back and now I'm going to throw it. Like you you would not throw a good ball. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times, you know, and that's why they're, that's why they're super quick. A lot of those throws, you'll never see an RPO really thrown down the field farther than 10 yards. It just, cause he's just so quick and you got to throw it a lot of times without the laces. Some guys are better at it than others. And that's why they do it more often, but it's not an easy thing to do. Not easy. Okay. Lightning round. Here we go. Spaghetti jump in with anything. You just said in my ear, it's time to wrap. Yeah, it's about almost an hour. and What? David has stuff to do. We've so. got an hour with Carr? I swear. 48, I this 48 minutes, yeah. Close to an hour. Okay, well, that's not so. I would have said, like, we're at about 31 right now. Yeah, that's not close. You're having fun. Yeah, it's been What's a more game. ridiculous, that spaghetti or my take on Mason Rudolph being mediocre? I don't think it's ridiculous. Again, I was just trying to protect you from the outside Twitter haters. Don't protect me that's from anybody. I don't care what that's the goons job. say. <sighs> Let them come. All the goonery out there. Everybody, everybody gave me the business about, I'm not, I'm not 11 years old. Fair enough. I can see what's true and what isn't. <laughs> I'm now, with you. Do you have any questions, Spaghetti, for our uh, our dear guest? Because you feel we, a lot of I the do, social media. I do, but it's not a directly an NFL question. It's, okay. a, it's about Tua and the Tua injuries. Oh, see what David's yeah. thoughts were on that on that injury because it's not a you know an elbow or shoulder or an ankle or a knee. It's, it's a terrible. hip. Yeah. which is a very awkward, I feel like it's a body part you don't hear a lot of in the NFL, especially for quarterbacks. And then just with his draft stock and his throwing motion, and obviously he's already had two ankle surgeries now. Um, I just didn't know what your thoughts on him, like where you would take him or, what, or if you think it's going to be like a career-lasting thing or how much it affects I think I think right now it's almost, it's almost too soon to even try and speculate what's going to happen to him. 
I, I, because we never see this injury. Really. Right. I mean, when was the last time we saw it? I mean, I hear people talk about Bo Jackson right. and what happened with they him. They say full recovery. I don't know what so that means. Yeah. So that means high-end athletic yeah. I, I, I recovery. Mean, I, I think that if he's able to make a, a full recovery, it's not like a running back. I mean, I know that he, he can move around. You probably would want to use him in some of the things that we've talked about the last couple minutes. But if he makes a full recovery, I think I'd have to see him physically. I know that he does utilize his lower body. When we see the, the Dak Prescott dance before the game, we see that movement with the hip. And, but, and, but Tua does use a lot of his lower body and use that torque. And guys throw like that, they re- require... It, I mean, my right hip, when I wake up in the morning, it feels like I'm 80 years old. Really? Yeah. Because of that, because of that. Dak torque. Yeah, because of doing that. That's how, that's how I utilize Because I was kind of like a rotary thrower. I didn't throw really up and down. I had more like a three-quarter. And I would have to utilize it. And Tony Romo kind of does the same thing. That's why he had back issues. So, I mean. Why? Cause, the oh, because they're dropping it down well, a little bit? it's here. And you, you mostly throw around your body. So, you have to create huh. a lot of force with your hip and your, and your trunk. And that's why I had to do a lot of strength. with Because I'd have back. My back would flare up middle of the season. And if you have a guy that just has a big, long, lanky arm and he can just whip it and doesn't really utilize his body, you can get away with it. But Tua does that. Tua is a rotational thrower also. So I'll be interested to see how he comes back from that. But maybe let's just, let's just let him heal and, and see. I don't know. That's what's going to be interesting, though. Spring, like, it's going to come pretty quick. You know, so where do you take him? I just don't know. I just don't. I know player-wise, if he's if he's healthy and we know he's going to be 100%. I know, but like the Jeffrey Simmons really example like the is the latest point? one. That it's like, oh, he's hurt. He's not going to be able to start immediately yeah. his NFL career. So you're really going to let a guy slide when you want him for the next decade, but you're not going to take him because he's not available yeah, for the first I don't, I don't know, half like, dozen games right. of his life? Instead of getting him for 15 years, you get him for 10, but what he, his 10 are going to be elite. And that's like the last thing you yeah. see is like him go 32nd to the Patriots in this draft. And, oh, exactly. That's yeah. probably what's going to happen, yeah. honestly. I know people have started to to make that guess, but okay. Um, Relatively uh, fast action here. It doesn't have to be lightning. It should be stormy at least. Stormy, got it. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. (laughs) One, two. Yeah. You don't like either one of those guys? I like them fine. I don't think either one of them is right now a top. I agree. QB. I, I, I like Jared, honestly. I And I was always on the Carson Wentz bandwagon. Even when they came out together, Me too. I was like all about Carson. Oh, I was on that. I was loved you, Carson. You can Wentz. look it up. I was on it too. when he was in the autumn prior. Yeah. I was saying, uh, you don't know the kid from North Dakota He's State. Fantastic. I've only seen two of his games, but this guy is the one. Yes, to get. And I was that saying. And then I watched that game yesterday and he just he's missing throws that he just should not miss. And it's like. Ah, oh, dude, you're not helping me. Now, I will say their offensive line's playing like trash. I don't get that. I mean, the running game is not any good. I'm watching uh, our guy Baldinger put some stuff down and break down the Eagles up front, and they're just not good. And I'm like, you got to help him out a little bit. But he does miss some throws that he just can't miss. I was, I was a uh, Jared throws a nice deep ball, man. He's intermediate throws and down the field, it actually, it's pretty nice. I'm gonna give him that. But he has to have a lot of things around him go right, where Carson doesn't necessarily have to have that stuff go right. He can make things out of thin air, which he's kind of doing. Uh, I think if he switched, rever- switched roles and Carson was in Los Angeles, I think it'd be pretty fantastic. That's the. That's, I know that doesn't answer everything, but that's the fun game to play. Yeah, just, just switch just, just trade the QBs and, then, and, and then see that, what that'll happens. That'll tell you them. what you think about those guys, because like if you switched them, the Rams are in pretty good position. But I mean, Jared's playing fine, so. It but is. neither one is playing great. No, neither one's playing. And great. now neither they one both may have their strengths. up in the playoffs. Yeah, they both have their strengths, but Carson's just missing some throws that he just shouldn't miss. All right, let's do a food block presented by Bon and Viv Spike Seltzer here. And uh, which place has better food by your experience? Okay. The East Bay up in uh, San Francisco yeah. or next to San Francisco, yeah. Oakland. If you want to do say, you know what? I'll even allow that. 
San Francisco because you lived there. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you. And Las Vegas, where I'm sure you visited. Oh, man. There's some really good food in Las Vegas. I know. People love the food of Las Vegas. I'm going to say Las Vegas. Really? Yeah, because they're just... You have no compunction making a case because it's never first generation no, in no. Vegas. It's no. always like, oh, this was a successful restaurant elsewhere. Now but let's can, put one in Vegas. But you, but what happens in Las Vegas obviously stays in Vegas. But mm. what you can do there is what happens. They So they have a great restaurant that's in New York or they have a great restaurant that's in L.A. or one in San And they all come to Las Vegas. And a lot of times you don't get that in those other places. They kind of stick to their own little niche. But in Las Vegas, they're too prideful. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Las Vegas. Like, I don't care if you're really right. good. You're coming. Garth Brooks. Come on. It's like America. That's go. like what America did with the rest of the world. Like, oh, <laughs> Italy, you make yeah. good. You make good. Uh, you make good Italian food. You know what? Now we're going to make some yeah. here, too. And, and now Vegas. Hey, China, we like yeah, We like your food. Now we're going to we're going to take your general South chicken and, over here. And now, right. All and that kind of just thing. condensed it to Las Vegas. That's all we've done. It's it's better. There. So it's Vegas. Yeah, it is. There's great food everywhere, but I mean, I think I'm gonna go San Francisco. Yeah. It's a great food city. It's my favorite city in America. In really, that. San Francisco? It's oh, amazing. it's the most beautiful city. Yeah, it, I mean, there's some. Yeah, we went out on a boat out to Alcatraz once. It's nice. Ooh, yeah, I like that it's pretty tour. Cool. You ever yeah. do the headphone tour? Yeah, where they walk yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, really it's like cool. the Johnny Cash song. Yeah, from your neck of the woods. So true. Yeah. When he sings about that, that's that's I I've, I've talked with Jean Claude Van Damaschek about that very thing, like to try and put it in his mind. Like, yeah. You make a bad mistake, like you think, because you're being a tough guy. Like, uh-huh. I shot a man in Vegas. I mean, I shot a man in Reno just yeah. to watch him die. Uh-huh. Now he hears that train whistling by yeah, every day. That's what the thing. I used to, when I went on that tour in Alcatraz, uh-huh. I, I thought, what would be so bad about being in Alcatraz? Isn't oh, yeah. that kind of cool? San Francisco's right there. It'd be worse places to be oh, than having that so. nice view through the window. No, but it's when the guy, the the inmate describes in the audio thing, like, you can hear on New Year's Eve all the parties and all the good times going, you're and you're so close, but you never felt further away. How crazy. It's kind of like in Apocalypse Now when uh, – Almost like we were scared straight. Almost like I, I wish like schools would just take trips to Alcatraz and put those headphones on. And that's just be like, it. you know what? You're so right. Check this out. Yeah. This could be you. be a tough guy. You want to be a tough guy? Think it's funny to, think it's funny to uh, not play by the rules? Yeah, that is what happens. See, how, see if this rules. is funny to you. Watch these fireworks go off across the bed. I'm with you, yeah. man. Yeah, scare them straight. I'm gonna take my kids there again. Actually, I'll take all my kids. There. Okay, she's one. My Piper can pay attention. Maybe Derek and Darren and uh, David. We could all do that. Uh, well, that, that would be a nice thing. Maybe we just don't take a car ride. Maybe we take a tour. Take a boat out to Alcatraz and then just walk around. <laughs> be great. I'm down. Uh, always great fun to see uh, to see the great David Carr here. It's a pleasure. Spaghetti. Did you like this show? This was an all-timer for me. It was the, an all-timer for, the, for, the, for this season, without a doubt. Yeah, a lot of good, right. lot of good stuff. Feel good about that. Yeah. All right, let's leave then, um, and uh, we'll be back with our usual video podcast, audio as well, but also our video with Matt Money Smith. I think Handsome Hank both back from Mexico City. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 